Hello, Rip City! To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Monday, the 28th of May. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner Smith, and while we are short one Brandon Goldner today, we've added one Ty Delbridge. Say hello, my friend. How are you? How's it going? Good, good, I'm doing, good. I, I, I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, also, being that it is Monday, May 28th, shout out to all of our veterans on this Memorial Day, especially those who paid the highest price. Thank you for your service. Uh, Thank you so much. Yes, we've got a lot to get into, but first, if you would like to reach out to the Trailcasters, you can get to us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you like emails, so do we. We, You can get get us there at trailcasters at gmail.com, or go and check out trailcasters.com, our website straight to the source. You can find our podcast every week on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And as always, the one thing that we got to slow down here for a little bit, as Brandon always says, we love those five stars. Five stars! Uh, <laughs> and these beautiful beats that rock you in and out of every episode are brought to you to, by Odar. You can find Odar's beats at soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. Please support your local artists. So, Ty, today on the show, you, you are here from Hoops Habit. Uh, and we'll be discussing what? We're going to talk some playoffs. We're going to talk some uh, Damien getting first team All-NBA. Uh, we're going to talk some haters around town. What, what, like, does does Dame want another meeting with Paul Allen? Or does he? Does uh, does Alders want back in Portland, or does he, or do we? Uh, we've got all that to go over. Uh, I'm sure that and much more. We'll be talking some player reviews over the bench, wings, and guards. First thing I want to talk about, though, is one of our sponsors, Envy Adventures. And Ty, let me ask you, uh, I'm sure we've all been up in commercial flights before. Have you taken a, a private flight ever, been up in a small plane? No, I have not. I actually, I got, I was kind of fortunate with this in, uh, in college. I had a buddy who had his pilot's license and let me tell you, it is different. It is something else to be in a small little, like two or four seater, as opposed to a big commercial jet. When this thing moves, you feel it. Any sort of wind gusts out there, you feel it. I'm not even, it's a little unnerving at first if you've never done it, but it's, it's more of an adrenaline thing and it feels good. And here in Portland, we have Envy Adventures. That's E-N-V-I Adventures. Uh, they take flights all over Portland. They go up to the gorge. They go over mountain peaks. Uh, you can see waterfalls. Falls, the cityscapes around town here, mountainscapes up out of town, all the beauty of the Pacific Northwest. And how much do you think uh, a flight would cost for you and I, and maybe even Brandon? They've got multiple seats in there. Let's get a whole group of us up on a flight uh, for some scenic views around Portland. What do you think that would cost? Oh man, upwards in the five hundred something. It's got right. I, it can. I'm sure it can get up here. But at Envy Adventures, you can get it for ninety nine dollars per flight. That's not per person. Ninety nine bucks per flight for you and your friends. And you can avoid booking fees or anything else excessive by using their website directly. That's that is what you can find at EnvyAdventures.com. That's E N V I Adventures.com. Uh, reserve your flight today. All right, so Ty, here from Hoops Habit. I, uh, I believe actually you're probably our most frequent guest at this point, would you say? I don't know, I guess so, I love it. <laughs> I, I don't know, is this your third or fourth time coming on? I, I can't is, quite count at this, at this, uh, this I high I can't number. remember, I think the third, no the fourth, I think it's the fourth. You know what? Actually, hold on a second, too. I think it was one of your first appearances on here when you came on. You were talking about how you're going to take Brandon's spot. You called that right off the bat. And here you and I are. I twice. <laughs> here you are coming in guest hosting for him. Are you sabotaging B's efforts to get in here on the show? Are you trying to, like, work your way up the ladder? Is that what's going on? I'm just sitting back, and then I just get called upon, and I show up. <laughs> you are reliable. That is for sure, man. Uh, well, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show for a fourth time, it sounds like. Ty Delbridge, thank you for coming in, man. Uh, so let's get right into the playoffs did you watch the game last night 
I did. Of course you did. Uh, First time since 2012, I think is what I'd seen, that both conference finals were even 2-2. Now it's the first time that we've had uh, two game sevens for the conference finals since 1979. So that, wow, that's just that's, that's the overall general. But then more about last night, because I'm sure we'll get into tonight's game as well, if we want to make some predictions on that later. But mm-hmm. last night specifically, LeBron giving Boston oh their first home loss in the playoffs. His eighth consecutive finals, uh, playing all 48 minutes, what, last game and the game before? Or was it just last game? I don't think, I think just last game, but I think he probably played like 45, 46 minutes yeah, in the game yeah. before. God, dude, just he, insane. He is unreal. I mean, I am a huge LeBron James fan. I think he's the best basketball player on the planet, hands down. Like, I've, I've thought that since the day I watched him, like, back in middle school. Like, I'm a huge LeBron fan, but the fact that he played 48 minutes last night I mean, that's insane. But then uh, he played that with a game seven with the finals on the line after he's played like 40 minutes in consecutive games and he led the league in minutes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that he has 500 more minutes in, than like, I think like I think it's like the second player with like in the playoffs or something. He's already played like 500 more minutes though, which is just insane. Yeah, I would believe it. It's it certainly is adding up when he's playing games like this. Like you're saying, 46 minutes one game, 48 minutes the next, and he's absolutely carrying the Cavs. I think in Game Seven, I saw uh, I saw a stat that said over the playoffs for Cleveland this year, he's averaged 20 points per game more than the next nearest uh, player for Cleveland, which would be Kevin Love. Uh, and obviously, Love had some injuries, so he kind of missed some games. That's going to bring down your average, but still, I mean, like. We talk about Dame carrying the team up here, how much more he has to do and really has to go off to make Portland a good team. LeBron is just like, it's not even in the same category. It's not the same. That Cavs team should not be in the finals. And the (laughs) fact that he's taking them there for the eighth straight time is insane. I think, uh, what is like, so he lost in 2009, 10 to the Celtics and they had Paul Pierce, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett was the last time he didn't go to the finals. That's incredible. And they're not even in the league anymore. No, but you see Paul Pierce uh, on the sidelines last night. You see, yeah. like, there's I saw some great face shots of uh, of just of screenshots of, of Paul Pierce's face on Twitter with just like how how bad must it be to be sitting there every year? You go back to Boston, and every year you just see LeBron just dismantle Boston's team. Uh, oh man, it's, uh, it's it's crazy. Did you hear uh, uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson's comments during the game too? Right at the end, they're saying. LeBron getting this team to the finals is possibly his greatest achievement so far. What do you think of that? Like we obviously LeBron, he's got a huge uh, resume of accolades so far, but where does this rank for you? I don't think it's his greatest achievement. I think it's possibly top five, but I mean, okay. I, I think that his greatest is obviously coming back three, one from the warriors and then beating them in a game seven at yeah. home in golden state. So I think that's his greatest achievement in my opinion, but this has got to be top five, this. And then, then I think, it was in 2006 when he took that team with like Booby Gibson and all of them to the finals and got swept <laughs> by the Spurs. So the fact that he just keeps doing this is insane. And he's 15 years pro and he's not missing a beat. He's my age now. He's 33, right? Yeah. I, th- I think he's like 33 years old. It, I can't imagine the idea of uh, anything that I could have done. I mean, obviously any physical thing that I would have been doing for 15 years by now, it's hard to imagine that I could still be getting better at it at this point. I, I'm I mean, just like he came in with Wayne, Mello, Bosch, yeah. and like guys like that. And look at them; like they all have dropped completely, and he's still the top player in the NBA. Like look at Mello; he was terrible yeah. last season, and he's 
I mean, he was a top five player at some point, I mean, for a while, but now he's dropped because of his age, and just now he's 14, 15 years pro or whatever, so he can't he can't keep up, but LeBron's just, let's go. He's a, I think he has a body like a 19-year-old or something like they tested last summer, which is just insane, like right. his muscles and like his bones and everything. Well, and okay, so they're talking about this too. I, I think I heard uh, basically there's some rumors that what LeBron is gonna, could be trying to do would be stick around in the league, if not on one team, uh, until his son can enter the league. Mm-hmm. And the idea of maybe, even if he's like much more of a shell of himself by that point, the idea that he could be playing on the same professional team as his son. When can you, Has that ever happened before that you know of in sports? Uh, with the Mariners, with the Griffies, with Ken Griffey oh, and his call. dad, they played together. Nice one. Um, I think that's about it. Um... That's it. Yeah, that's got to be it. And I think this could possibly happen because I think his son's 13 or 12, so he's about five years away from being one and done. But that's even, but that's even if they get the rule changed, so he could come out as a senior in high school, which wow. is four years away. Yeah. So look, oh I mean, I think, and then I mean, like with LeBron, he's got at least six, seven more years. Think about At this that, level, actually. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, LeBron, if he only has to stay in four or five more years, like feasibly, Dame could still be under contract with Portland by the time we're seeing this start to happen or start to materialize. Exactly. That's crazy. Like, that's not that far off. Okay, uh, let's move forward though. Tonight's game. Uh, by the Ooh. time you guys, by the time you listeners are hearing this, obviously, uh, Game Seven for the Warriors and Rockets will have been decided. We will know who will be facing LeBron and the Cavs in the finals. Uh, you want to throw out a prediction, Ty? You want to go for uh, Rockets or Warriors here? Uh, I got Warriors. I want I want the Rockets. Um, right really? now, I, I yeah, right now. So I don't know if Chris Paul's playing, but I think even if he does play, he's going to be forty five percent and with a bad hamstring. Like and that's just too hard. So I don't know. I'm taking the Warriors if they can just play their game, not turn the ball over, and just get back to what they do. But if they get cocky or even they just try to play like a lot of isolation ball. And then the Rockets just shoot 53s, which they should do. Just chuck those threes, then they get hot. But they were up 17 last game, and then they lost by, what, like 30-something? Yeah. yeah, that one, that definitely took a turn last game. I, I got to be honest, I've I've never been a huge fan of the Warriors before they got Chris Paul. Chris Paul is not at all anywhere near one of my favorite players. He's, he's on the opposite end of the, of the spectrum for me. So... Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, between just as a fan, just as like a general kind of fan of NBA storylines and the rest, I can't root for Harden and Chris Paul. I can't cheer for the Rockets, even if I'm not a fan of Golden State. I don't like a lot of the stuff Curry does. Don't like the fact that KD went there. Don't like Draymond. It's it, the, the Rockets are one of the few teams it's harder to root for right now than the Warriors for me. So I, I don't You'd know. You'd rather watch the Warriors and Cavs in the finals? Again no. They, possibly get swept the Cavs? You're 100% right. I don't want to just see round four. Round four, right? That's what it would be if it's Cavs and Warriors. Again. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to see another repeat of that. Uh, it seems like it's, it's, it's boring, but I don't know. If, honestly... I don't know if I want to see Harden drawing fouls. Think about every time when LeBron, if, if a foul gets called and how much he goes mm-hmm. off and like how, how he complains so much about, you know what? Actually, let me flip that around. Let me, I can find the silver lining on this. If there was a Houston Cleveland finals, I think one of the biggest storylines to come out of that series would be what we need to do to change the officiating. Because on one end, you would see Harden drawing a foul on every single touch. And on the other end, you're going to see LeBron getting contact and having people just hack at him. But he's stronger and bigger, and refs don't call it the same for a player like that that they do for Harden. So I I think if if that series did happen, what you would see afterwards is finally, maybe that would be the catalyst we need, the catalyst to really get some change in the the referee uh, action. 
actions on the on the floor, but I don't know. That might be a pipe dream too. Hey, that's a good point. I like that. <laughs> I, don't know, I think so. LeBron's the best bet at beating the Warriors. I think. I mean, like just him putting the Cavs on the back and just wanting to beat the Warriors. I think we could possibly see it. It's LeBron. He's done it already. But he had Kyrie last time. But who do you think has a better chance of beating? I, I get. Oh, who do you think has a better chance of beating the Warriors, Houston tonight or the Cavs in a series? Who? I think Houston tonight. I think really. I think yeah. I think you can beat the Warriors in one game, but it's way harder to beat them before. Oh, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Especially you know, again, when we look back at that roster we're talking about over in Cleveland, it's not the roster that Houston has. Uh, boy. And I do see that. Uh, I checked on Twitter earlier, and I saw that the Warriors will be without um, what's his face. Oh, so uh, Iggy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, be so. Out. so that could be big. And I think that Houston crowd, they're going to be loud and just ready to go. Yeah. I feel so bad for Chris Paul. He has just, I mean, obviously, like, he's not my favorite player, but he has worked his entire career to get to the finals. He finally gets to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> he goes up on the Warriors 3-2. He has a perfect chance at winning a, a finals because of the East being not very good this season. He goes up 3-2. He gets hurt in the final minutes of the game. Oh, he man. And then he, he has to miss Game 6, possibly miss Game 7, and then not go to the finals. <laughs> well, okay, and blow okay. his chance. But think about that. Because I like, think if, they could beat gotten, the Cavs. If he had gotten hurt earlier in the series, though, they wouldn't even really be ahead. They wouldn't have been ahead 3-2, let's well, say. Well, he did get hurt earlier in the series with his foot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's hanging in there. I'm just saying maybe But even if, better, yeah. If, if they can pull off one game without him, then it's possible that he could be rested and healthier for the finals, maybe. Or, or, that would be what they're probably hoping for. They're hoping for they can get one game tonight where all their guys buy in and play good. Okay. And the Warriors don't play good. So right there, let's cut off the non-Blazer talk. I've had enough. Let's move on. We've got a Blazer to celebrate here. We've got uh, Damian making the first team All-NBA for the first time in his career. Let's hear it for Dame. That was awesome, man. Uh, his third overall All-NBA selection. He's also the third Blazer to make three All-NBA teams. And I believe he was the third Blazer to make first team All-NBA. It's him, Drexler, and Walton, I think, was the other one. Uh, so... Overall, putting uh, Damon very elite company as far as the franchise goes up here. Now, then you even look at what I want to mostly move on from. I, I mean, I don't know if you want to give a give a second to the franchise side of it. Please feel free. But otherwise, I'm just going to move forward with. A, I just want to point out the voting here. This is what I think was really the, the bigger part. Not even just the Dame made first team because making all NBA, whether he's going to make first or second, I would have been happy with it. Third would have been a little bit like, come on, he did so much. He still can't get past the, the top 15 mark. But First or second uh, team All-NBA is essentially saying he's a top 10 player. The fact that he made first essentially would put him as a top five player in the eyes of the people making these votes, the the media and the analysts. Um, Now, what I want to break down here is the point totals. 432 points from the votes for Dame. And this comes in the fashion of like, if, if, a, if an analyst gives him a first place vote, I think it counts for five second place is three third place is one, a scale like that. If not exactly that Dame ends with 432 Russ and Steph would be the other two big point guards competing for like that top point guard in the league kind of spot. Uh, Russ had 322, uh, down 110 from Dame and Steph only had 164. So, I mean, obviously, the other guard on the first team is Harden, and I'm not trying to compare Dame to Harden, honestly, because I, I don't see Harden as a true point guard. I see him as more of just kind of a ball-handling shooting guard. But when you look at Dame and you look at Russ and you look at Steph, uh, 
uh, and the respect they're getting from the NBA, from the from the analysts, it's not even close. Dame just ran away with it, right? I, I feel like this is kind of a, 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 a departure from what we hear a lot, where it seems like Dame has been underappreciated on the national stage and kind of people don't stay up to watch his games. So I'm wondering now, is that more of a fan problem where fans don't appreciate Dame since it seems like the media kind of are giving him credit here, like at least credit for this season and what he did? Yeah, I mean... So I think it is kind of a fan thing, but I think with the media is with his stats this season with Lillard, he played, I think, the most games out of all those guys, out of Russ and Steph. Steph only played like 50-something games. Russ uh, did not have a good season. Or no, I mean, he had a good season, but he had a rough like uh, stretch to end the season, and then his team just was just uh, not very good in the playoffs. Obviously, we weren't. We got swept as well. But uh, I think you just had to give it to Lillard over those guys and Chris Paul. I think that's almost where they almost felt like they had to, like they couldn't give it to Steph. And uh, so I was listening to a couple podcasts like with these national NBA guys, and they still respect Lillard, but they almost were like, they almost felt like they just kind of had to throw him in because of that. But like, I think they all would have thrown Steph in if he would have played 10 more games properly. Well, I, I want to make a, a slight tangent, too. And actually, I think that's a good point about Steph. Let me come back to that. Uh, on total games, Lillard played 73 in the regular season this year. Westbrook played 80, and Steph was less than either of those. But oh. I think the I think the other thing that, uh, that we got to tie in here is Westbrook had Paul George and Melo join him down in OKC. Plus, overall, even without those pieces, I think a lot of the national media would probably rank the Oklahoma city bench and uh, backups as a better team than what Portland has up here. So I think the expectations for what Russ should have been able to do were so much higher than what they thought Portland would be able to do. And that they fell basically about where we did that. Yeah. I think that does kind of put Dame ahead. Um, I just, you know, I didn't want anyone calling us out on the game. The total no, no, games no. played here, but I think your point with Steph is very interesting. Steph played way less. Uh, let me see if I can pull these numbers up, but I think it is interesting. Cause like you said, if he had only played, a few more. He played 51, but if he had played 61, still would have been less than Dame or Russ. But I think you're right that overall that would have that could have counted for enough that people start saying, "Oh, he's he's on top." Mm-hmm. I think that would have happened, but I think that Lillard deserved first team All NBA this season. Yes, that, I mean, it, I think I think he proved it. He put the Blazers on his back. The way he came out in the second half of the season, the way he got into the third seed, just like scoring yeah. twenty six, putting up six and four. His defense improved a ton. His IQ. I mean, he's a leader. He's like he's everything for the Blazers. So he deserved first team All NBA. I believe I saw. Um According to NBA.com, too, some of the stats they have on there, I think they ranked Dame as the eighth best point guard uh, defensively. So, again, like from someone who only a few seasons ago we were saying he was a defensive sieve, he was going to be someone that we had to have a team built around defensively. He's now not only able to hold his own, but he's in the top 10 as far as a, a point guard, like, you know, holding the ball. Whoa. I mean, so I wonder there for, I mean, for his improvement on that, I wonder what he was ranked the last couple of seasons in that. And then, like, he probably would have been closer to the bottom 10. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what those numbers are, but I think if you went back two years or maybe three years, he'd be closer to down around 2021 20, defensively for point guards in the NBA. And now he's in the top 10. So that's without a doubt, it's improvement. Part of it is certainly the system around him. Nurkic is making a huge difference on that. Aminu and other players stepping up overall on defense and just the team being together longer and, and be more comfortable together. That's always going to help, but you can't take credit away from him either. He definitely deserves a uh, recognition. And like you said, I think he did deserve the first team uh, all NBA spot that he earned. 
Uh, one other note on the side here. When the award was announced, Dame was, where, where do you think Dame was uh, when this came out? Well, I know. I saw oh. it too. So should I say? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> he was in the gym working out. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, K- Casey Holdall has the quote, That's real cool, says Dame. For me, that's really high on my list of accomplishments to be considered one of the top five players in the league. So right off the bat, he said the same thing we were earlier. This puts him in there as top five. And I swear, I don't know if it was this season or last, but there was a lot of people wanting to say, Oh, no, he's not even top ten. He's not that good. And I don't know. I like it. Portland should and, be proud. And then also, he was on the ballot for MVP, wasn't he? Yes. He was on the like the five players that yeah. were the last five. So he was one of those players selected. So I think he was a top five player this season, and he's a top. He's definitely a top player in the NBA, and he's proven it. So uh, let me take one one other tangent here on this topic, and I'm going to enter it with a quote. Zach Lowe was on the jump last Thursday. Uh, he said he's one of the voters, and he said that he voted for Dame. Uh, per Zach Lowe, I kept Russ off the list. Look, he averaged a triple-double. I don't particularly care. Dame is a way, way better shooter. He's a more egalitarian offensive player, and his team finished ahead in the standings with, I think, a supporting cast that had a lot lower expectations going into the season than OKC. So I say reward Dame. He deserves it. Uh, so again, that's kind of like what we were saying earlier as far as uh, kind of wrapping up all those points. Nice to know that Zach thinks the same way we do, right? Gray minds think alike. Uh, but he also points out... He thought Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo deserved first team All-NBA over Kevin Durant, saying that KD missed 14 games, and statistically they're very similar, and he thinks Giannis was better defensively. so, and then what, this is what I wanted to get to. He said at the end, I haven't looked at the voting yet, but I feel like KD was just kind of penned in there. So is Zach Lowe inferring on national television here that too many of the voters, too many of the analysts and media people who are supposed to study this stuff and do it for their job, are they just voting based on reputation and kind of national image and popularity instead of, you know, production and calculation? Like, right? You're already agreeing. It's like, stop the presses. Oh, no. <laughs> I agree. I love Zach Lowe. He's one of my favorite like national media members. He's best. But I agree with him. There's so many people that I think, oh, that's Kevin Durant. He's going in. Oh, that's Steph Curry. He's going in. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Yep. They're, they're, just, they're just looking at names, teams. I think Giannis should have been first team as well. Like he, yeah. like, I mean, like same thing with Lillard. He was his team. Like they all knew he was getting the ball, but they couldn't stop him. So, I mean, obviously Durant is a great player, but. He's surrounded by great players. Right. So let me flip around this, uh, flip this around to the other side, though. Can you imagine if the Warriors, especially if they do make the NBA Finals, if the Warriors didn't have a single player in the top five or even the top ten in the All-NBA stats? Oh, their fans and everybody would be whining so much. <laughs> Sports Center would be talking about it for days and days. Right. Well, hey, then maybe they should have done it. It would have given them fodder all offseason. Uh Looping back to Dame, though, before I move on here, uh, I want to list out some other accolades because we have we have some haters in Portland to talk about. And I'm sure you know exactly who we're getting to on that one. But before we get there, just want to throw this out uh, and feel free to jump in if you have anything else to add for it. Damien finished fourth in the NBA in scoring. He's the first Blazer since Clyde to get top four since uh, Clyde got it in 1992. Tenth in assists in the NBA for Dame this year. Eighth best point guard defensively, uh, like we said earlier. He scored 50 points in under half an hour. He's, it's the fourth time scoring 50, which is the most in franchise history. Uh, only three players have scored 50 in under 30 minutes. One of them is also uh, Dame's backcourt partner, CJ, who partners with him to be the second highest backcourt, second highest scoring backcourt in the NBA. Excuse me, I'm getting tongue-tied here. There's just so many accolades, it's hard to keep straight. He went from... 12th to fourth place on PDX's all-time scoring list. He got uh, three more player of the weeks this year, bringing his total to six. Uh, The only other player to get 
more than two player of the weeks this year was James Harden down with the Rockets. So again, putting him in very good elite company. Uh, only Dame, LeBron, and Oscar Robertson scored 1,500 points, 400 assists in each of their first six seasons. So again, just kind of throwing him up here. I know some of these might seem a little bit like cherry-picking stats, but really not trying to get there for it. Uh, he was the first Blazer to average, here's the real cherry picking, 26 points, six assists, four rebounds. I know, weird number, right? But still, <laughs> something, <laughs> something to talk about. And this is the last one. He scored 354 points from February 9th to March 6th, the highest 10-game scoring stretch in franchise history. That's an average of 31.4 points per game across most of February, the highest month of any uh, player the Blazers have ever had. So, and he also had a those- kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget that one. That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so the same the same day that Dame gets first team all NBA to top off all these other accolades that he has done this season. We see an article pop out that say Dame is requesting another meeting with Paul Allen. Oh, my God. Everyone, all the Blazers fans start freaking out. He wants to go back to Paul Allen, talk about what's wrong with the team. Does he want out of town? Does he not want to be here anymore? Has he finally said, you know what? My value is high enough. You got to get me somewhere else. And this is all coming from someone who's been a Blazer reporter for a long time. He's a, a Portland sports journalism uh uh, st- uh, structure. I don't even know what, what I'm looking for. It's, like, I, it's really hard to compliment the guy. But John Canzano is the one that wrote this. And he says, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was a source talked to Dame's agent who said he might want to have this meeting or yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and what does Dame do? He comes out and calls him a clown. And yes, just, he does. He totally disputes it. <laughs> he absolutely says this guy has no credibility. Calls him a clown, which is so perfect. I, you you got to think that John Canzano specifically, when when we hate on him, when we troll him on Twitter, you go with Clownzano. Uh, we've said that on, that on the podcast here before. Even you got to think that Dame knew who he was talking about when he called him a clown specifically, right? Oh yeah, he had to know. Like that's a dig. <laughs> <laughs> I for a while had no idea that there was so much hate on John Canzano. Like oh, really? I was kind of new to like the like Portland Twitter and everything. I was kind of just like with the national media. I didn't really follow inside. And then all of a sudden, just started people always hating on him. I didn't really get it for a while. But then just seeing stuff like this, it all makes sense. And then last year, or like two seasons ago, like didn't he use like his press credentials for like a Warriors game so like his like grandson or something could come to the game and meet him? I oh, think really? I didn't I'm know pretty that. sure that's what Neil O'Shea called him out in something after he talked about a trade rumor or something. He came out and was like, Well that's the guy huh. who like who like who uses our press credentials just like for his family and stuff. Or something like that. I'm not don't quote me exactly, but No no no, you're good. No, I and see I, I know that O'Shea had the issue with uh one of the other local sports guys who I'm oh man, I'm blanking on the name right now and feel bad about that. Um but yeah, Canzano, man, I don't know. He's He's been one of those names. He's been writing for Portland for, he's been writing about Portland sports for a long time. He uh, he goes by the bald face truth uh, as his little moniker. Uh, I really he's don't. biting that pencil on that. I think I saw his cover logo. He's biting that all. Oh, you're annoying. Oh, man. It's just, it's the, the big thing about him. I, I feel like the, the criticism that we've had about him for a while as, as Portland sports fans is that Canzano, Clownzano, let's just keep going with Clownzano, make that stick. Um, the big criticism of him has been that he writes for clickbait. He writes criticism after a Blazer loss, and then when they win, he finds some sort of way to undercut things. He, he, he finds things for kind of shock and awe, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's it it just seems like uh maybe in other sports markets this could work where fans aren't quite paying as much attention. But up here when we don't have a bunch of teams to, a bunch of big teams to follow and people really care about the teams they do follow up here, uh I think his stuff gets it, it, you can kind of see through it. You can kind of see through the insincerity and the the clickbait material. And uh, this this article or this little uh, headline about Dame one another meeting with Paul Allen and having Dame come out and shoot it down so directly. It just seems like this really does expose him for being let's be honest about it a fraud like he's if this was a real source that told him it it's certainly not a legitimate enough source to write this big of an article about it you should vet your sources a little more as a journalist right like you and i i wouldn't say that either of us are professional journalists by any stretch but i feel like if you or i heard a rumor about this we'd probably go checking around a little bit man like find a find a cross uh confirmation or something but yeah i mean yeah uh, that's why i waited like when I first saw that, I was like, "Oh, should I write something about this?" And I was like, "I'm gonna wait until I hear about like four or five other people maybe confirm this before I write anything on this." Yeah. Oh, and actually, uh, shout out to Rip City Project too. They did a write up right when the when Kanzano first put his article out, but I can't remember exactly how they put it. I think they'd even they had a little kind of uh, an asterisk in the in the writing about. Is this something? Is it going to yeah. be real? We'll have to wait and see. And then like less than 24 hours later, it was already kind of denied. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I, I do want to throw out there, too. We had um, some listeners. We had someone write in saying that they were uh, really excited to hear Brandon rip apart Clown Zano on this one because he's kind of been going off on the Twitter about that. And uh, as we said earlier, Brandon is not here today, but don't you guys worry. We will get uh, plenty of ranting from Brandon on a future warm-up or uh, overtime wait. section <laughs> talking plenty about Clown Zano on it. Uh, so last things here before we move on to the player reviews, you want to touch on anything quick about uh, we got two topics maybe to go over real quickly. Sports betting becoming legal. How do you feel about that? I know we were talking poker earlier and uh, you and I's gambling habits. Where are you at on the sports betting? I'm, I'm all about the sports betting. Um, I, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm ready to be sitting in their arenas and betting who gets the 10 points first, who hits the most threes in the game over and unders i'm ready for that for football all this stuff i'm ready like i'm sure they're gonna have like kind of like like they'll probably have like these apps and stuff you can log into and just bet and i'm ready for us to get all legalized and ready to go because i'm about game i like i like blackjack i like trying to win some more money (laughs) (laughs) i I think it's i think it's gonna be interesting what this does to uh to sports in the long run because i think i've heard a couple times that the goal as far as the uh the NBA and the, and the sports leagues would be to have uh, fans like us sitting in the Rose Garden uh, during a game and being able to make bets uh, on the game right there from our seats, like from our phones. And, you know, we're talking about not just on final scores. We're talking about on really small, uh, infinitesimal things. Like, let's say how many times Dame gets a left handed shot in the third quarter. You know, or something like that. Like, and, and there will be those betting lines. Those things will happen. This is what sports betting is, separate from just like like you and I were saying earlier, uh, blackjack. And uh, I love poker. I play a lot of poker. But there, this it's a different world when you get into some of the, the highs and lows, the over-unders, the odds and ends that you can get into with sports betting. This will be a big industry, in my opinion. And again, we'll touch on this more on another day because I know Brandon and I, we have kind of different views on this. Uh, but... I think there's I think there's something here. I think this could really change how we interact with sports going forward, not just as fans, uh, but something else that has to be considered is what this will do to college sports, because 
one one of the big uh, forces against legalization of sports betting for a long time has been keeping corruption uh, out of professional sports. And at a certain point, with the amount of money that these athletes get paid, it's going to be hard for people to corrupt them. Like if you can't go up to even one of the lower paid blazers and say, Hey, here's 500 grand or here's like, even here's a larger amount than that to go. Let me influence what you're going to do tonight. He's like, I make so much more money that he's not going to be worried about it, but that's not the same for college athletes. So if you're legalizing sports betting and you're going to be betting on college sports as well, and you're going to be facing these players who can't pay their bills, they can't pay for their parents' electricity, let alone going to school uh, in college. And like you touched on earlier, we might not even have one and done. The NCAA might be going through other changes too. But uh, I think this will be something to watch for is what what kind of corruption issues we could be facing in the future with uh, the influx of money and influence that comes with this. Yeah, I think that's definitely true with the college game. But are but I think they'll have so many people watching it and like and like I think like they'll be checking the lines and seeing which lines the most popular possibly and they're going to be watching super closely on anything if anything looks suspicious they're going to be on it I feel like but even to do that they they've they've got a I think one of the steps they're going through right now the big thing is this is happening so fast they don't have a system set up yet for uh regulating this stuff and so I think now the the issue is going to be trying to get in front of that before things get out there and before bets start happening you need to have a fully established system of how to keep it all safe uh we'll check back in with that like i said we'll come back to that in future episodes the last topic before we move forward uh we had some news a while back about aldridge he contacted dame apparently i think is what the word was he made his people made contact with dame's people trying to see if dame could help him get back to portland here and in, in the long run i think the story ended that Popovich went to Aldridge says, look, you're staying here unless I can get a great deal for you. And they worked everything out. Now Aldridge is happy down there. But did this did this perk your interest at all when when you heard about this? Was there any chance that you would have wanted Aldridge back in Portland? Is this something that would have appealed to you? Uh, yeah, I would have. Um, I mean, for a while, I've I've really hated on LaMarcus. I mean, or just for him leaving. I, I mean, I'm all mad at him. He, he, like, I don't think he should have left in the first place. But I think he's a top player in the NBA. He's still one of the best power forwards. He was second team all NBA. He led the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard. The dude is super talented. I mean, like, I'm. I mean, like, I know our. I know there's a bunch of people who hate him, but he's a talented basketball player. And I think if he came back he would understand that he would have to be like the second option or he wouldn't be the go-to guy anymore. And I think he'd be more like with a better attitude than when he left. I could, I could see that. And I could certainly hope for that. I do kind of almost feel like this would be Portland's version of LeBron. Uh, the way that he left Cleveland and ripped the hearts out of all those fans. And you have all the fans burning the jerseys mm-hmm. and all this as he goes to Miami for a few years. Then oh, when yeah. he comes back, I mean, at this point, I guess let's compare it to Cleveland. How many Cleveland fans that you think burned LeBron's jersey are now have now gone back and bought another one uh, after I his championship? I think probably about ninety percent of them. I yeah. guarantee it. As so soon as he came be... back, as soon as the tweets came out that he was coming back, they were running, and going, and getting it. Oh, you you, you think you think the uh, that it's that mu- that quick of a flip around that even though they've burned the jersey, as soon as they hear he's come back to town, they're going back to buy another. Or do you think they wait till the championship? Like, do they wait till he wins and like I gets it back for him? I think the diehards waited 
I think the casual kind of fans who kind of just go with the flow of everything went with it. But I think the people like you and me, we'd probably be like, you know, Aldridge, let's see, wait till you can do before I go out and praise you. But yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. So I think a lot of people like that would kind of give it to him. But or but I think over time, if he played good, I think people would get over it. And he obviously wanted to come back. He made a mistake and. <laughs> See, and I, I like how you've you've made peace with this in your head already. I can tell, like you're you're very much like if he if he was coming back here, I feel like you're already accepting of like, yeah, it's gonna be good for Portland. I want to be there with you. I want to be, <laughs> and, and I think like you're saying in my mind after we had it for a season, we saw how much it helped. I'd be like, all right, yeah, good move. I can forgive you, LA. Thanks for coming back up. Thanks for being a man and working it out. But I gotta be honest, dude. I, I'm I'm so I'm so torn because I I hated on him hard when he left. And again, like the LeBron thing leaving Cleveland it was about how Aldridge left up here I think the it just it it, it sucked it, and I'm too passionate too emotional of a Blazers fan <laughs> to uh to let that go uh it's it's a tough one I I want to throw in a quick uh quote here from one of our listeners too and he's on the opposite end of the spectrum even from us like you know you've got I, I feel like I'm pretty closely aligned with where you are on it if he was coming back I'm gonna try and make my peace with it but uh Timbers are a thing, right? Uh, is at PDX Beer and Buds. He wrote into us saying, the only people that are okay with Aldridge coming back are the ones that would take their chick back after she cheated on them with their old middle school bully. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh I'm uh, not. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like that's a little harsh. I, I, I don't think, he, hey, look, he's not attacking you and I for feeling the other way, but I think he, okay. <laughs> I, hey, I, I do, I can... I can understand what he's getting at here. It's like it, Aldridge, he tore the heart out, man. He killed us on this. He lied. He said he wanted to be back. the best blazer ever. He lied. <laughs> hey, but, but hey, but I still hate on him now because he did not come back. When I see him in that Spurs right. jersey on TV, I see his name. I there's there's hate, there is anger. But I'm just saying, <laughs> if for some reason, if or obviously with Lillard he would have to be okay with Aldridge coming back. So if he's okay with Aldridge coming back, I'm okay with Aldridge coming back. That's Boom. that's where I stand. But right now, I I hate on him. He never should have left. And the way that he went about it was absolutely terrible. Stick with the Spurs and keep losing whatever. Don't join us. <laughs> also, right, so, oh, don't ahead. give up too much to get him back either. Like, don't trade a bunch of people for him. Don't trade CJ yeah. or Mo or me or Collins. So if and, you and get him back for a decent deal, but... Well, and obviously, even from what we were saying that Popovich said to Aldridge, the price would have been high. The, the yeah. Spurs weren't going to let him go for anything uh, mediocre at all. So it, and I wouldn't want the Spurs to trade anything. Yeah, I'm on that. I wouldn't want to get anything for it. But all right. So uh, the other part of what uh, at PDX Beer and Buds brought up, we should talk about who we need to pair with Dame, and is that with or without CJ, and with or without Nurk? Well, my friend, I'm sure we've heard plenty of that so far on this episode as well as previous episodes, uh, and we will be having plenty more of that discussion coming up soon but uh yeah what do you think ty do you have anyone you want to throw out there that who who should we really be targeting this summer like are, are we talking like star wise or just kind of like role player wise or i mean just 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 take a swing like do you uh is there is there a certain star that you just say like throw it all out there for this guy do you want a paul george or Kawhi up here or do you think it's more i would say i would love a paul george or Kawhi light here but I think realistically what's going to happen, or for me, what I would want is I want to go after Brooke Lopez. He's super good. He's 32-33. I think he was on a bad Lakers team. He still has a lot of talent to give. He shoots threes. I think he'd be good with Dame and CJ and pick and rolls and with us. So I think you'll get him for cheap. I think you go get a guy like Wayne Ellington who can shoot threes and be a good role player off the bench. I think you go get guys like that who are good role players and guys who are specialists and guys that are just 
good all-around basketball players who kind of bounce around the league, but I think that they give you value, kind of like a Jeff Green, like last night. He hit so many mm. like good shots last night that really helped the Cavs. I think they need guys like that, like, like with that. And, and my prediction is I think they're going to go get Marcus Morris from the Celtics. Oh, when, hot take. That's my, I'm, I, I've been saying he's a future blazer. I think they're going to go get really? him. Yeah, I think he's only set to make like $5 million next season, so not too expensive. And I think with Gordon Hayward coming back, they have to move him because... Oh, man. Uh, because, uh, Interesting. Because they have Tatum and Brown, and they're not moving one of those guys. And then they got Rozier, and they also have Kyrie Irving, so their backcourt is loaded, so they got to move him. And he likes to shoot and be a part of the offense, so let him come play the four and the three for us. Dang, dude. I, I hadn't really even thought about that direction. I like this, though. I, Marcus Morris could be an interesting player here. I do think the biggest thing that we should be targeting, outside of naming a player, would be uh, a two-way wing or a stretch four. We need a, a strong, powerful stretch four, or we need a, need a wing that can like really be reliable uh, and more consistent on the court. Uh, now, okay, so first off, the Brooke Lopez thing you brought up, I, it sounds to me like you're saying we're we're basically essentially swapping out Nurkic for Lopez in this situation. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Or, or what you do is you bring Nurk back on his qualifying offer, and you bring Lopez in for a year, and you let okay. him come okay. off the bench maybe, and just kind of figure out his stuff, and let a and let a veteran Brook Lopez see what he can do. Boy, we, we could have some serious drama on the, uh, on all the, the on all the Blazer stories if Nurk is coming off the bench. I don't see him uh, going too smoothly with that no, one, but I think it's an interesting not. idea. Uh, okay, so what about like if we if we're talking with about Marcus Morris from Boston? Uh, I mean, who can we? Do you think we can get away? You're saying he's making five, so we could. We I mean, we'd have to be giving some sort of. We have to be I'm trading. Trying, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm saying I I think you might have to move a guy. Like Davis, maybe if you re-sign him on a sign and trade, maybe uh, maybe Myers. For a big, but I don't think saying. the Celt- Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Myers because he can shoot, and maybe I think Brad Stevens might be able to work well with Myers Leonard, get something out of oh, him. Oh man! Oh my gosh! If Olshay could convince Brad Stevens to take Myers in a deal where we end up with Marcus Morris. The owl oh man, like we're talking about forgiving Aldridge, like that might be something where you have to start for, thinking about forgiving Olshay somewhat. I'm not trying to go all the way I, forgiving, yeah, but geez, that, no. that's something, man. <laughs> I think something. I feel bad for Myers. I, I mean, just a little tangent. I hope somebody gets him and he can just go play somewhere consistently and actually maybe yeah. show what he can do. I hate that he just gets to sit on the bench and then, and then like he plays two minutes one game, he comes off, he sits five more games, plays ten, and then he's expected to be some meaningful dude when he can't even get mean like he can't get consistent minutes but that's I, I, I want the best for Myers man I, I want to see what he can do uh, I, I do feel like if, if he could just have it's it's a change of headspace I know we've been saying that for years but I don't even if even if he doesn't leave Portland I want to see a change of just attitude I want to see him come out there excuse the language here uh, I want to see him just come out on the floor with a fucking attitude like when he yeah, gets minutes, yeah. put those shots up going for the rebounds jump you don't need to play soft you don't need to play careful get in there and work uh, I'm I, he's he's got it in him I just I don't know if we're going to see it in Portland at any point. Uh, we will be right back talking about 
about more of the other bench players for the Blazers. But first off, let's get in a word here about clearly speaking, Ty. Uh, now, I, I would say I didn't actually keep track. You know, I've kept tallies on Brandon and I before when I'm trying to compete with him about uh, not stuttering, not putting in the ums and other things like that. I didn't keep track of you and I today, but I have a feeling Bad. you're winning. I think you're doing I'm a lot. Winning. <laughs> I'm so I got I have a stutter that it's been it's been on me since first grade. Oh, so it's not that bad. I, I didn't even notice. Well, uh, the, the big thing is uh, one of our sponsors, clearly speaking, can help with this kind of thing. If you are a lawyer, a doctor, a professor, teacher, uh, sales professional, or even a podcaster like us here, you and I, they can help with anyone who wants to be better at public speaking. They work on techniques to reduce accent. They, can, they have techniques to reduce fatigue and strain if you are spending hours and hours talking to a microphone or yelling or you know drinking some tasty beers on the side as we try and come up with some blazer hot takes. Uh, Clearly Speaking is uh, run by one of our old school listeners. Shout out to Brendan Nuckton. She's a licensed speech pathologist and she has a Master of Arts in Speech and Hearing Sciences. Go and see her today. You can check out her website at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. That's clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Give her a look. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back. Quick uh, note on a change up this week about listener questions. We're trying to keep it short today. So we worked a few listener quotes in and shout outs earlier in the episode, uh, but we are not ignoring the rest of the questions about the off season. Please let us know whatever blazer related thoughts are running through your heads, whether it is very blazer related or only slightly blazer related. We will try and get to it on a future episode. Maybe we even do an entire episode uh, later of just listener questions. And Ty, maybe you can come back for that one. Give us some more of these hot takes about Morris coming to, to Portland. <laughs> Please do. Uh, remember, you can write us, uh, write the Trailcasters questions at any point of the week at Trailcasters or Trailcasters at gmail.com or Trailcasters.com. Do not wait till next Sunday. Let us know what you are thinking right now. Also, right now, Ty, how do you feel about uh, reviewing some Blazer bench players? I'm all about it. Sweet. Well, let's start with Patty Three Ball. Uh, going through the bench wings first. It's going to be Patty Three Ball and then Evan Turner. Then we'll get to the Blazer guards from the bench. But first up, Pat Connaughton, 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 however we want to say his name. I go for the Irish uh, side of it. I'll go with Connaughton. Other people like Connaughton. Wait, where do you fall? Wait, let's let's uh, let's lock you in. Pick a pick I'm a Pat. Pat. I am Pat Connington. Connington. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. Okay. Uh, so Pat is a uh, Patty three ball is coming in at six foot five, 210 pounds. He's a shooting guard, uh, maybe small forward and small lineups, but mostly just shooting guard. I don't think he's really going to flex outside of that position much. Right? No, he said that too. So he was the first overall pick in 2015, uh, by Brooklyn. Uh, and he is this season. He averaged 5.4 points, two rebounds, 1.1 assists in 18 minutes across all 82 games. He was the only Blazer this year to play all 82. So that's got to count for something. Uh, he shot. should have been CJ, but he got suspended. And also, right. real quick, did you say he was the first overall pick by the Brooklyn Nets? No, 41st. 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 Okay, oh, yeah. Good detail. <laughs> uh, 42%. Uh, from field, 35% from three, 84% from the line. Uh, he scored a career-high 24 points on opening night at Phoenix, which was awesome. He scored a... Uh 
He had 74 made threes, which is also a career high for him this year. Now, this is the big one that I want to get to. I'm a big fan of PER, player efficiency rating. We were talking about this in previous weeks, that it's just a good kind of single number that summarizes a lot of what the players are doing out on the floor and how efficiently they're doing it. So kind of it can kind of account for... Uh, someone who has way more of a role on the team versus someone who has a lesser role and how that might look on a different team. Anyway, Pat's PER, 9.3. The NBA average is 15. So for a dude getting 18 minutes a game, and we spoke last week about Ed Davis, who is also getting 18 minutes a game. Is this a problem that his PER is only 9.3? No, I don't think so. Uh, He's not asked to do a lot. But true. Um, and then he also, I think that might also, or I think those numbers could be reflected because he plays with a lot of bench units. He plays maybe in the fourth quarter, some garbage time. But he, like, yeah, he might get five minutes of garbage time, and then he's the main guy. He's just chucking up shots, not really focusing for good shots. That's a good point. No, that, that definitely does have an effect on PERs, who you're playing with, and what part of the game it's in, and. I mean, but even that though, if if he was producing better, you think he'd probably be getting a little more of the time out there. Like if his PER was closer to twelve or something, they probably are putting him into more critical parts of the game. That's you know, that's a chicken or the egg thing at that point, I guess. I Fair point. Uh so salary this year, he made one point four seven million in twenty seventeen, eighteen. He's a restricted free agent next season, is that right? Yeah, he's said uh, to be a restricted free agent. So uh, uh, what what do you think we do with him? What, do, does he have solid enough trade value that he should be a trade piece? Is he someone that we're trying to bring back on as light of a contract as we can? What is his role, in your opinion, next year? Um, I mean, obviously, I think he's a solid contributor. Um, I think the Blazers will bring him back for pretty cheap. They'll probably try to get him for, like, the like I think, like, the cheapest they can get him. Um, I think they bring him back because... He's been on this team for about three years, right? Like three years. He's smart. He's mature. I think he's a good bench guy. Like he's always standing up, cheering. And he knows what Terry Stotts wants to do on both ends of the floor. Like I think, and I think that Stotts trusts him. I mean, not always to take maybe shots and make plays, but I think he trusts him to be out there and set the back screen and then run off the screen and switch on defense and make the right pass. Like I think I think he does all the little things like that that I think they'll try and bring him back for cheap because of because they have so much money tied up next year that I think they'll just bring him back because he knows this team like he doesn't have to relearn anything. Uh so if we're bringing him back, uh if we let's say if we're just looking at next year to decide what his role would be after that, what would you want Let's go off the PER. What would you want his player efficiency to jump to from 9.3 and the NBA averages 15? Where do you want to see him at next year to say, like, okay, you're a worthwhile piece to keep developing? Or when does this turn into a Myers situation? Like, when is he just not going to get there? That's true. I I think you got to get to that 10-11 PER, 12. But, I mean, with him, like, I like him, but obviously, or, I mean, so honestly, so I'd like us to replace him with a guy like a Corey Brewer just like a okay, just someone okay. like that just like a I mean like he's not a great player but just somebody like that who has somewhat of a name who you know he's can do a couple of really good things and he's been a good contributor on multiple teams so someone like that is who I'd hope they could replace Pat with maybe and that way he doesn't have to get minutes but I think if he does come back he's probably on the same role he was this season and then just hopefully he can hit more shots and just play a little bit better so you can see more consistent but 
I'd rather replace him with somebody, but I don't know. Corey Brewer would be an interesting one. I could, I, I like that idea. I don't know if we could really uh, get that contract to work because I think he's kind of a bigger bigger value yeah. at this point. Maybe a Will Barton, though. That I kind of think of him almost as a poor man's uh, poor man's Corey Brewer, really, in certain ways. Uh, and I mean, yeah, Corey Brewer, if we, he's got like a, he's like a ten year vet at this point too. So if we could get him in, he definitely would be, I think, an upgrade over Pat. It's hard to argue that one. Yeah, just someone like that because I always feel like the Blazers like they just have guys like Pat Connington and Jake Lehman just sitting on their bench not doing much when there's guys who are free agents who get picked up halfway through the season on good teams and they just contribute i i gotta i gotta be honest i'm going to be laughing every time i hear pat connington now because it's just one more in the mix hey everyone <laughs> i swear we there's so many different interpretations it's of crazy. his name now we gotta get pat on the show at some point we should get him on the show and have him give the official pronunciation <laughs> get this right uh okay let's uh wash and repeat this with evan turner the next bench wing that we're coming up on six foot seven 220 pounds this guy's a little more of a switch between shooting guard small forward he's almost more of a true small forward but uh i'd say in a lot of lineups he probably could play the guard position as well he's like a uh, point forward Point forward. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. He's a, he was the second overall pick by Philadelphia in 2010, same year as Ed Davis, so we kind of have that to tie into. Uh, 8.2 points this year, 3.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists in 25.7 minutes across 79 games. So pretty healthy year for him, uh, both uh, number games-wise as well as minutes. 25 is pretty good when he's not not fully a starter, but he's definitely like kind of leading the bench in that, in that sense. 44 0.7% from the field, 31.8 from deep, and 85 from the line. The free throw uh, percentage, 85%, was career high for him, and the three-point percentage of 31.8 was his best since 2013-14, where he kind of played for Philly and Indiana in the same year. But this, I think, was one of the big criticisms of uh, Evan Turner, both this year and last as Blazers. We need more three-point shooting, and he's not really bringing that at 31%. No, and I mean, like he shot better like second half of the season, but like, but like he's not a guy you're just like, oh, okay, he's gonna hit like three threes tonight. Like he's like, all right, he might hit a three tonight. Okay, now he hit three. Okay, or he's but like I don't like I like I don't trust him when he shoots the ball, even when he's wide open. Yeah, and okay, so here's this is a good leading for what I was gonna bring up next on this. So we talked for a while about Pat's PER, and again, I'm kind of using this as a universal comparison for a lot of these players. So remember, we said Pat was at nine point three this year, and the NBA average is fifteen. Where do you think Evan Turner comes in? Uh, like an eleven point one. Nine point nine. Wow. So, so not that much above Pat. And again, Pat's playing 18 minutes a game. Ed Davis that we talked about last week playing 18 minutes a game. Evan Turner's playing 25, 25.7 minutes a game, and he's coming in 9.9. So when we're talking about efficiency on the floor, you could look at that as fit of the system or just overall like production and value there. That is that. Would you say that is more or less disappointing than uh, than what Pat was doing? It's very disappointing because he's making $17 million. He's supposed to make $17.8 million next season. So it's entirely disappointing. Like, or like I like Evan Turner as a role player, as a bench guy. I think his teammates love him. Like They all went to those football games. They all do stuff together. Like He's always with Dame or CJ. And then like on CJ's podcast, he talked about how much he loved ET. I think he's a good bench player. And I'd love to have him on this team, but just not for that contract. I'd yeah, like to have uh, him on the team making $7 million. And I'd be like, all right, he's fine. Like, I like 9.9 or whatever. He's a decent role player. But not I, for seven, $17 million. I, I do think the contract gets a lot of hate. 
not because okay we like there's always the all the things that you'll hear about it's not the player's fault for taking that money you know he's gonna take what's offered to him uh it does put the team in kind of a bind but that year there were a lot of contracts handed out bigger than they should have been across the nba because of just what happened with the the cap spike Uh, real quick i'm sorry so would you rather have him or chandler parsons Oh, I know. I will take, I'll take ET all day over Chandler Me Parsons. Too. I, I would too. definitely, yeah. I, I mean, like just, I'm not a fan of Chandler Parsons, the, the, the game, the attitude and certainly not the injury history. Uh, but my point as far as the contract, yes, it is bad, but it, I think the 17, if you looked at it when, as, as far as what other years uh, would have been, it's probably more like a 14 or 15 contract. There was just more money available this year. Unfortunately, that doesn't change how it affects the overall money available to our roster each season. Uh, so, so just for quick comparison's sake here, though, we did say uh, Pat is a 9.3 PER, 18 minutes, earning 1.4 million a year. Evan Turner, 9.9 PER, across 25 minutes, earning 17.8 million a year. So, like you said, uh, that that contract is definitely, no matter whether we want to say it's uh, more or less of a problem, it's definitely a problem. He made 17.8 this year. He'll make 18.6 next year, and then he's an uh, unrestricted free agent after the 2019-2020 season. So, this is maybe someone that we are stuck. Do you, do you think we are looking at Evan Turner as a Blazer for another season or two, or is he someone that they're trying to uh, offload immediately? Is it someone that can be offloaded when there's that much money left on the contract? So real quick, he's gonna make seventeen eight this season, and then and then he's gonna make eighteen six in the twenty nineteen season. Right, and then unrestricted okay, after that. Okay, yeah, yeah, my bad. I'm over here hearing it wrong. Um, oh, you're good. You're good. I think they're gonna try and move him, obviously, but I don't think that's gonna be successful. Like, I don't know who takes him. So I think they want to move him. Uh, they might try and add some assets, but I think it's going to be a, a hard to find a suitor for him in the next couple of seasons. So I think he probably will be a Blazer the next season, next year, and then maybe 2019. But I mean, yeah, he's set to make 18 million in 2019. Like that's hard for a team to go. Yeah, let me get that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it certainly is not an easy contract to unload. Uh, like we said, he doesn't have his value is not zero, but like we were seeing with Pat, I would hope that maybe let's say if his PER steps up to 12 next year, then maybe now that's a team, especially with only with one year less left on the contract. Maybe that's a little more of an attractive piece to someone who needs a point forward. Like you said, uh, the, the big point here that I do want to make with Evan Turner, it does not sound like either of us think he's a usable trade piece this summer in any way, shape or form, right? Okay, so then people need to stop pretending about it and move forward. We're really not likely going to be able to structure an entire trade where we get rid of Evan Turner and get anything back in return that is good at all. So if it's not helping us, just keep money back, probably. Yeah, and but I'm not concerned. I'm not. It's not my money, uh, and it's not money that I'm not making the contract, and I'm not spending the money to to pay the contract. So I'd rather just have. He's a better player than what we'd get back. So let's keep the better player in town. I agree. Okay, so moving on to the bench guards. Uh, Shabazz is the man. The six foot one, one hundred and seventy five pound what combo guard? Would you put him as a straight point guard or? Uh... I think he's a straight point guard. Maybe he can play some two guard in a small ball lineup. But he's, yeah, I guess. I guess point. he doesn't really have the size to be a two guard. I guess you're right about that. It's just I I like him as an off guard next to. Uh, no, well, he's labeled a combo guard on the on on this website on. Okay, cleaningtheglass.com okay. over here. Nice. 
is that a Ben Ben Fox? Yeah, I think ben, ben, yeah, Ben Fox. Shout yeah, out. He's a combo guard, so there you go. There you go. Okay, so uh, Shabazz was the 24th overall pick in 2014 by Charlotte. Uh, so end of the first round there, he scored 8.7 points this year, 2.3 rebounds, 2 assists in 20.7 minutes across 74 games. 42% from the field, 37.6 from deep, 84 from the line, and 1.9 or 1.09 steals per game, second highest uh, on the team. Not a bad mark. He also had career highs in points per game with 8.7 and that three-point percentage mark of 37.6. Now let's talk PER again. 14.2, just under the NBA average. I'm a little surprised he came in under the NBA average, honestly, but he is a backup guard, so I guess that's that's right about where he should be. He also had a 20.6 usage percentage this year, so they were using him pretty well. Oh, yeah, he definitely got got more value, got more show. Uh, and, you know, the same that we were saying, we would have liked to see more from Pat or Ed to really raise their trade value. Do you think having more of a shine this year for Baz, do you think that makes him one of the more attractive trade targets that we have? Well, he's also set to be a free agent this season as a restricted free agent. Restricted free agent. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him. I think he had a really good season. I like Shabazz. I I I bet the Blazers don't bring him back because I think some team might give him a good little contract, and I don't think the Blazers will like match it. And then I think they'll bring back like a Wade Baldwin or go get some veteran on a minimum deal to back up Lillard and McCollum. But I think if Baz gets a lot of money from some team, or even just like a three-year, like fifteen million dollar contract, like five million dollars a year, I don't think the Blazers will match it. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, and we'll get to Wade Baldwin in a second because that definitely does influence what we can do with Shabazz here. I, I think he's been a great piece to have on the team. I really enjoy what he's brought. He's kind of almost a Dame light on offense, and he really brings that dog on defense. And if anything, I think maybe that has rubbed off on uh, on Damon CG a bit. Maybe that is a, a, a long-term benefit that we can say that we've gotten from having Baz around here. But I agree with you. I don't see us matching a big contract for him just because as much as he's been a nice piece to have here, he's not so irreplaceable when we have such a tight uh, tight budget to go around. I like him, though. He can shoot, handle the ball, pass, smart. He plays defense. He's like a little pit bull on defense. He's always doing something. He's always running around. So I like him a lot. I'd love to keep him, but I just don't think they're going to. Yeah, okay, so let's let's talk about his competition, and not really the competition, but uh, we've talked on previous episodes that uh, Zach Collins can kind of be used as leverage against Nurkic getting a big contract this year, in the sense yeah. of, look, saying in Nurkic, uh, the, the Blazers can basically have the stance of, look, we've got this other guy who's up and coming in the wings, uh, doesn't quite have your skill set, but he's cheap, and he's someone that we can maybe build into you, so sorry, we just can't tie ourselves to you. Uh, if Shabazz was trying to get us to match a larger contract wade baldwin is kind of the guy that we can turn to he's a slightly larger point guard 6'4 202 pounds as opposed to shabazz at 6'1 175 he was a 17th overall pick in 2016 by memphis so he's a couple years younger than baz uh now i i, I almost don't want to mention the per this time or i want to disqualify it because what well, we have to be honest about here Okay, we'll Very go with the individual game numbers first. Games. Five point, yeah, 5.4 points, 1.1 rebounds, 0.7 assists in 11.5 minutes across seven games across the whole season there. So all of these stat numbers, when you only have a seven-game sample size and you're comparing them to guys who are playing 70 to 80 games, it's going to be skewed a bit. Uh, 
uh, that being said, <laughs> wait till you hear these numbers. 66.7% from the field. 80% from downtown and 60% from the free throw line. So the free throw, not much to, to cough at there, but Hey, who doesn't want an 80% three point shooter? <laughs> he made 14 of his 21 field goals in Portland in the 2017, 18 season scored in double figures twice out of seven games. So, you know, again, that's a pretty high percentage. Uh, his PER 16.6. So the only guy we're talking about today that is above the NBA average. And again, this is a seven game sample size, but you look at Wade Baldwin, a point guard, a few inches larger than than Baz, uh, a little bit more body weight. He's got a defensive mentality that we've seen. He can shoot threes. He can handle the ball. How do you feel about if we just plugged him into Shabazz's role next year? Do you feel that as an improvement for the team, or is that does he maybe have to develop a little bit before you really feel comfortable with that? I'm comfortable with it. I don't think it's a solid improvement right away. So maybe over time, because I think Shabazz really had a good season last year. But I am a big fan of Wade Baldwin. I think the Grizzlies. I mean, he was seven, or he was like 19 when he got drafted. He played one year at Vanderbilt. He wasn't really even supposed to come out. He had a good workouts and combine, so that's why he came out. So like he was pretty raw. And I think the Blazers have something in him. He's yeah, like uh, like he's a big guard. He's got super long arms, like a six nine or six ten wingspan, yeah. something like that. Yeah, like he's defensive minded. Uh, like he's not trying to do too much on offense. And yeah, like I think they can bring him back on a cheap deal like not very much and go all right we're gonna use him for the next year or two sorry shabazz so let's talk about that cheap deal (laughs) so this year wade baldwin uh made two hundred twenty nine thousand dollars yes two hundred twenty nine thousand dollars not even i mean barely yeah not even a quarter of a million this guy made when everyone else around him is making millions upon millions of dollars that's got to be strange i mean like uh, honestly, I'd be stoked to make two hundred twenty-nine grand a year, but yeah, yeah, I want it. <laughs> when, when you're the only dude in the, in the job not over the million mark, and you're not even like halfway there, that feels like it would be a weird feeling. So I'm, I liked seeing all the passion we did out of this guy. That it wasn't just something where he's just kind of biding his time, waiting for the next bit to kick in. You know, because some players would do that. You could see guys who might kind of maybe play it a little safe or just kind of keep a uh, keep back in the in the background a little bit until they are really kind of secured in there you don't want to risk an injury or whatnot but uh baldwin is going to be a restricted free agent next season so do you see him getting offers like we were worried about with baz uh no i don't i don't think any team offers him unless some other team really like what they saw with us or like or like his g league performances and somebody like or like sees potential in him and and gives him a small little deal but or but i think the blazers would match it in that sense but yeah i don't think anyone's prying him away from the blazers this year i i would hope not too i mean i i can't imagine that he's going to get some sort of extreme offer it would be crazy for someone to offer the money that they would to baz uh to Wade Baldwin instead because it would just be such a huge jump over what his current value has been and i think on the on the business end of of the league, I don't just don't I don't think the front offices are very likely to do that kind of thing. So, yeah, we can probably look forward to seeing Baldwin here next year as a Blazer. It sounds like you're maybe a little more on the fence as far as if we'll see Baz as a Blazer next year. Yeah, and I I would go. Yeah, I, I lean more towards no with him on that. Uh, Et Baz and Pat, which is or I guess if if you think no on Baz. Pat or uh, E.T., do you think either of them are less likely to be a Blazer? I think Pat's less likely to be a Blazer than Evan Turner. 
but neither one of them are down like Shabazz. Like you think Shabazz of those four players, Shabazz is the most likely to go. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back next season. All right. Well, we'll have to see about that. There's a lot of things that could happen this summer to to really influence one way or the other. And uh, you know, Ty, I guess we'll just have to see how good your your future telling skills are. Predicted, uh, Mr. Mac <laughs> over here. Well, thank you, Ty. I mean, really appreciate you coming on the show today, helping me cover the whole way through. You were just supposed to be a guest, and you stepped into the guest host role without even a blink. Uh, always appreciate that, and please come back on the show anytime. You know, eventually, I feel like instead of us asking you, hey, man, can you help cover for us, you're just be like, hey, I'm coming on the show today. And like, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess you have to then. I guess it is. This is happening. <laughs> if listeners wanted to contact you, what is the best way to do so? Get me at Twitter at TyDelbridgeNBA. You can get me at Facebook, the same thing. Uh, I got a podcast and YouTube channel called Rip City Buzz. Uh, it hasn't been updated in about a month, but we'll do that now. We'll get some draft and free agency and trade talk going on because I love, I love the off season a lot, and I've almost like it more than the regular season. <laughs> Oh man, see that's that's good because I I'm so bad about the off season, dude. I used to totally ignore draft and free agency and all this stuff. I just didn't see it as part of the the fandom. Uh, what I wanted to experience as a fan, I just wanted to cheer for the players and you know screw those guys that weren't players. Uh, but no, I'm I'm glad to hear you covering that. I'm gonna have to come over to your pod and check some of that out, so even educate myself a little bit and get that going. Well, thank you, listeners, and remember you can write us at any time during the week about anything, preferably Blazers, but we'll take all questions. Uh, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Trailcasters. You can reach me at Rip City Keith. You can reach Brandon at Goldner PDX and Ty at Ty Delbridge underscore NBA. Trailcasters at gmail.com if you like the emails. Trailcasters.com if you want to just come and hang out and check out our website. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and we always look for In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Ty of Hoops Habit for guest hosting. Thank you to Brandon for editing, even when you're busy. Thank you, Odor, for the fat beats. Thank you to Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. And most of all, thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazer offseason, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please be sure to come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Cool, man. Did you stop recording? Sweet. <laughs>